The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. <laughs> it is 306. It's 306. And you know what? Over the past number of years, uh, he's been sharing his struggles with mental health. And now his story is being featured in a new book. Edmonton Police Sergeant Mike Elliott, who is also the president of the Edmonton Police Association, says he doesn't want anyone else to go through what he did. And Sergeant Elliott is in studio this afternoon. Mike, thanks for coming in. Oh, thank you, Jalen. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Just during that the break, we were talking about how things can can build and build and build in a, in a person's life. And, and you live that firsthand, didn't you? Uh, un- unfortunately, yes. And it's, um, it's something not just as first responders, but I think everyone in society will go through their uh, ups and downs. And because um, I like to put things in an analogy, if things are going well in life, uh, say you're just married, um, you know, you're just having a child, um, your friends just... Um, come together and things are great you can handle the stressors mm-hmm. of life now tack some things on there okay say that um, your niece or nephew is being bullied in school uh, your partner is um, comes down with an illness mm-hmm. your a parent becomes sick now as a first responder I can go to collision after collision they don't bother me but now tack some stressors on that yeah and they build up and you pull up and you go I recognize that car it reminds me of my partner's car mm. oh my god the the child in the back seat reminds me of my niece. So these are little triggers because you can only take so much. Yeah. And then you crack. How long have you been a police officer for now? Uh, this is my 16th year. 16 years. 16 years. So when you first um, got on the service, was mental health talked about? Uh, it was and it wasn't, if that makes sense. Because uh, uh, the best of my recollection... Um, we knew it was there, but the mentality was always, and I don't use this phrase, but it's a common phrase, like suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. It's part of the job. You're hired to do a job and go out and perform and do your duties. And sometimes I think people forget you're not a robot. You're, you're, you can't act robotically. You have to show empathy and understanding. But when your stressors hit you, there's this times you just can't handle that. I... I, f- I, I f- I remember, you know, 20 years ago in the in the broadcasting business and talking to, you know, my friends who've been in the police service over that time, before we actually started to talk about mental health and about stress, and before we started being open about it, I think one of the ways that a lot of us decided to, to deal with it would be to, I don't know, pop by a bar after work and maybe have a couple of beers. I know that's what we did when I was... When I was at Global and we had a, you know, a really, really stressful night, all hell was breaking loose, oftentimes showing up to the same scenes that you guys are, are, are showing up to as well and not knowing how to deal with what we've seen or just the stress level or the adrenaline. And we'd end up, you know, 1130, you show up at the nearby pub and you kind of, you know, drink your way through it. And, and that was quite common. It was, uh, you're the junior guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming up to them the shift get the bottles ready, get the beer ready. We're going for drinks after. And that was your debrief. If you had a debrief to talk Mm -hmm. about a file and you went and had beers over it. And that was a common theme. And to me, we've changed. We've come leaps and bounds, but there's still a long way to go. Um, Just talking about the uh, Evan Police Service, we have an um, early intervention system and we also have an employee family assistance program, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic because if an officer gets involved in a shooting, uh, say this afternoon, uh, we we go out as an association to help him or her through that, and we have counselors available and peer-to-peer support through CISM and critical incident stress management. But we also got to keep in mind too, we're a larger agency. I 
I have grave concerns about the smaller towns in rural Alberta who you have a job during your daytime, hypothetically say you're a truck driver during mm. the daytime, and at nighttime you volunteer with the local fire department. Yeah. Who helps out those those volunteers? Like I think about the Humboldt tragedy, the, the number of volunteers involved, and where is the help? Mm-hmm. Um, where is the immediate help? I know that things can build up and build up and you don't acquire that help. So we need to learn and focus on that to help others. One of the things that crossed my mind when you were talking about that, I was thinking about uh, Mayor Thorpe popped into my head, right? I mean, that was... Um, you know, a small town and just devastating to a number of communities and devastating to an RCMP detachment and the entire policing community. Yes, and um, if I may, uh, I do have to talk about, because I mentioned like the smaller agencies, larger agencies such as Calgary and Edmonton, for the most part, can handle a serious incident. And um, through various colleagues, uh, I think of Jennifer Martin, mm. uh, right, it's a, it's a colleague that you're familiar mm-hmm. with, uh, Dr. Uh, Jeff Sitch, We've created a team that's called the like Critical Incident Stress Management Team. Yeah. And our goal is to create a team that we've started and we're, we're getting funding. And what we want to do is to go to every small agency and town mm-hmm. in Alberta and teach them critical incident stress management. So the men and women who go out and help our citizens have the ability to, to create those coping mechanisms and have the ability to talk to one another. Because uh, if I may, I always find that not the irony or fun into it, but if you walked in here now with a broken arm, it's human nature for us to care about others as individuals. And we always ask questions, what happened to your arm? Jalen, are you okay? Mm-hmm. But no one really feels comfortable and we got to get past that, that if they have a mental illness, it's okay to ask, are you okay? Are you, are you suicidal? Do you want to talk about it? It should be the norm for that, not the abnormal not to talk about it. Edmonton Police Sergeant Mike Elliott uh, joining me in studio this afternoon. Uh, Sergeant Elliott, also the president of the Edmonton Police Association. Uh, I was on a panel yesterday talking about mental health with Dr. Gans Ferentz, who's a regular on this show, uh, and with a couple other folks who are very active in um, in uh, the mental health community here in Edmonton. And one of the things that they had said is, you know, you, you used uh, the analogy of, uh, of a broken arm. Well, if something's wrong physically, for the most part we'll go to the doctor and we'll have it looked at if you have a toothache you don't wait six months one year three years down the road to deal with it if you've got a broken arm that's not what you deal with it but when it comes to our mental health that's often what we do with it we allow that stress to continue to pile on pile on pile on thinking it's going to get better it's going to get easier it will just go away and oftentimes that's not the case now you've you've shared your story and and your and your stories in this new book called silver lining stories of gratitude resiliency and growth through adversity by uh, author janice landry your story I mean, can you take us back to that? When did something click? Was it you or was it your colleagues that realized something's not right with Mike? Um, I think I really did well in hiding it. And I I can tell you there was accumulation and I can go through the litany of things, but I look back of, I remember having it all, thinking back, I really think the catalyst that started things was when we were guarding a scene, my partner and I, and I remember it was a known gang member and he lost his cell phone and the citizen passed off that cell phone. And I look back and I think about that incident because the cut through the, the minutia of it, he pulled a 22 caliber uh, gun and pointed it within two to three feet of my face. Mm. 
And the adrenaline was like, boom, like, oh my God, this is a part of policing. But I think about that. And then you fast forward of the events that accumulate and accumulate. And then I think about where I responded to a um, suicidal person mm. and the person uh, blew their head off. And then for months after that, I would dream of that body with my dad's face on it. Because mm. at the time, my dad was actually going through cancer. And so these are little stressors going on. And what did that do? It caused stress with my relationship, with my marriage. I remember, like I said, um, maybe offline, I may have told you about this, but try to make a pot of coffee and the machine wouldn't work. And I took it and I threw it out through the back mm. door. And I remember my partner at the time looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And Or my my son spilled a glass of milk and I screamed at my son mm. over a glass of milk, mm -hmm. realizing I'm venting and not realizing what the what was the underlining issue and uh, when you get back to my colleagues I was running across the high level bridge I remember my I said to my colleagues I said I can totally see why people want to jump off here and I said that never thought twice of it and uh, I know um, a gentleman that uh, worked with me he he confided in me that he said Mike I was going to break into your locker and take your weapon because I really thought you're going to try to commit suicide and the alternate moment that I knew that everything was accumulating so far, I had my children at a movie theater and we were playing games, waiting for the movie to start. And I cashed $20 of tokens. We played maybe two games. And mm. I went to the manager. I said, hey, can I get the $18 cash back? I don't want the tokens. And he said, no, I can't. I snapped and I went to grab him by the throat and I cursed him in front of my little mm. children. I remember going home. I just made it to the door and I totally collapsed. And I ended up crawling in the basement for weeks upon end and could not move. I lost 30 pounds. I, it was just, I could not talk to anyone. And... Uh, is, that a, is that a breakdown? Is that depression? Is that just your body saying, I've had enough? Your brain saying, I had enough? Yeah, it's... Um, I'm sorry. Like At times, I still have difficulty okay. talking about it. but. Yep. It was accumulation of everything, and uh, I, like I have to. I'm better now because mm -hmm. I've learned to get better. But at the time, like I had to thank my ex-wife. She's the one who called my sister. She called my um, called my colleagues at work from the employee family assistance. Uh, she called the association, and she dragged my butt <laughs> to my physician, and that's where it started. But I had people who helped me. Mm -hmm. But I know there's people out there that don't have the help. And so that's where I go with, if I went down this rabbit hole and like my black dog, as I call it, was following me, how can I help my colleagues? Mm -hmm. How can I help people around me, my first responders? Because I know that if I'm feeling this way, I guarantee you others have felt this way. And if I may, since the story broke with your colleagues in Global, the number of emails that I received and text messages from friends and colleagues saying, thanks so much. And they provided incidents that they've gone through, but they've never, ever shared it. Mm -hmm. And they've admitted to me, said, Mike, I try to drown my sorrows mm -hmm. in the bottle. Mm -hmm. You know, I was taking medication mm -hmm. and I was just, uh, and at this accumulation that builds up and builds up. And I just want society to know, my colleagues to know is that you're not alone. Ask, don't be afraid to look up and say I need help and not reverse that because for me I try to cover everything up and I just try to be myself no I'm Mike I'm the, I'm the strong police officer I'm not letting anyone in or see what I'm facing because I'm bigger and better than mm -hmm. this which is a total fabrication I'm lying to myself <laughs> but if you see something a deviation in a person's character 
Don't be afraid to ask, are you okay? Are you suicidal? Do you want to talk? Because um, I, I got to say, my colleague, uh, my vice president of the association, Curtis Hoople, we have such an open relationship now. We'll constantly ask each other, hey, Mike, and you'll go, hey, Mikey, how are you feeling today? Are you okay? And I'll do the same. Hoops. Do a buddy, buddy check. Yeah. How you doing, my friend? You okay? Just checking in on you. And we're so open with that. And that's how it should be. Mike, uh, on the phone is Georgina. Hi, Georgina. Hi. Hi. I I just, um, Georgina, you lost your son last week? Um, on the 20th of October. And we just had his funeral last week. So the 20th of October. And he was a paramedic? Yeah, for 20 years. I'm so sorry, G- Georgina. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, did you were were there signs, Georgina? Like when when you're listening to Mike talk, does it does it resonate at all? Oh, oh yeah. It's it's all the same symptoms, all the same signs. And um, as a family, we had tried over and over and over again to get him to go and get help, and he was. Um, uh, you know, seeing uh, a counselor, and uh, but um, he was going through a, a bitterly horrible divorce, and um, it, it just stripped him of everything he had. And he, in the end, he just had no more fight left in him for anything. And he was always the you know the big guy. He was six foot four. He was always laughing, joking, and. And that held a lot of pain, and um, he was actually let go from one job uh, because he was off work with the PTSD for mm-hmm. a couple of months getting help. And um, when he went back, they, the, the department that he was with at that time made life so unbearable for him that, you know, he, he left that job because he couldn't handle the non-support. Oh, Georgina. Well, first off, that shouldn't that shouldn't have that shouldn't have happened no. at all. Georgina, first off, thank you for having the courage to call us and for for sharing the story about 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 your son. For those who are listening, you're you're listening to Sergeant Mike Elliott talk about about his story and and you know this emphasis on we need to talk about things and we need to you know um, support each other and and help each other and ask and and find the way to get help for our mental health. Georgina, what do you want people to know who are listening right now? Um, I just uh, the same thing as I said at his funeral. All the first responders have the power within themselves within their organizations to um, eradicate this disease. It is um, epidemic. There was 46 young men committed suicide in the last year because of this. And that should never happen. It should never happen. Georgina, thank you for calling. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Georgina. Thank you so much for calling in. Cause, uh, That's devastating. My heart just drops hearing that. Uh, and... I think every agency out there should have a program that looks after one another. And I'm, I'm not saying that the EPS has it correct or not correct with their employee family assistance, but to give you an idea, we monitor our files. So if a, if a group of member or a member or a couple of members go to a suicide or go to a horrific scene, it's automatic now that 
they will get follow-ups. There's follow-ups. There's follow-ups to connect with them to say, hey, I know you've been through a traumatic scene. Can we talk? Do you want to talk? What's going on? Are you okay? And these need to occur constantly. The only problem that I see that we just don't have the personnel to keep up is that first contact is good, but we need to constantly follow up. The longer term. Yes, The longer you. term. Okay, let's talk more about what we can do to help right after this. Sergeant Mike Elliott joining me in studio this afternoon. Okay, you're going to make me cry now, Mike, because you just um, gave me a beautiful challenge coin from the Edmonton Police Service. And I thank you very much uh, for that. That will go. um, I I collect challenge coins, so they mean a lot to me, and I appreciate that. So we're talking, we're almost out of time. We we don't have a whole lot of time. So what do you want people to know? And I think one of the things is, is... being willing to say, hey, I need help. But f- a lot of times we're not willing or we're not able to do that. So o- on the outside looking in, having the courage to do so when you think something might be wrong and knowing that it's okay, what do you what do you tell people? I look at it from the fact that it's when you're going through it, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. You're totally blind and you just fall in that rabbit hole. The people I need to get the message out are your friends and colleagues and coworkers. Those are the ones that need to watch out for one another. If you see anything that looks off just and and it may be just something small but you change your diet you change uh, your attitude you become short uh you look to you act depressed something ask the question and not just once it could be the next day and like pull that person aside and say what's going on and because sometimes that's all they need just to break open that little crack in the door to get your foot in and just ask that question that's what i i really want to push to your listeners ask don't be afraid i'd rather be asked a question than not i really really mean it and if i may i just want to thank janice landry and her book Mm -hmm. silver lining because she's the one who reached out to me and it it's i can't begin the emotion to say like to read a story this is this is not about me this is about our, our our society in general we need to help one another and that's all i want i never want another person to go through what i went and i will bend over backwards to help somebody so that's why your listener just called in like i will be a voice and like they want to vent they want to cry they want to talk or anything i will be there for them and i want others to be there for one another i just do Mike, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for coming in and talking with us today. If you want to read Mike's story again, the book is called Silver Lining Stories of Gratitude, Resiliency, and Growth Through Adversity by Janice Landry. Um, so you can probably find it in a, a number of bookstores uh, around town. I'm actually doing a book launch this afternoon at 7 o'clock at Audrey's Bookstores. <laughs> of course, at Audrey. So check that out. We'll take a break when we come back. The fact that guys need more friends, a study's been done that men need more friends and that the fact that you have a shockingly shockingly limited number of close friends is impacting your mental health. We'll explore that after this.